Okay, let's get in our Bibles to Daniel chapter 1. I got a game called Either Or, kind of like that. It does, does Christmas and Big Ten football and, you know, and all that stuff. So, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Daniel chapter 1. <laughs> One lady's alive in here. Okay, did you get there? Here we go. College, you better be on your toes. This is important. Daniel, you ready? Why was he 10 times better? It says in Daniel chapter 1 and verse 20, And in all matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them 10 times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in all his realm. Them is Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The other them or they were all the leaders in, in the Nebuchadnezzar's uh, kingdom. Now I want you to catch this thought. We'll give you a, why was he ten times better? Why was his three friends ten times better? You got to understand that Daniel was taken into captivity as a teenager. God let Nebuchadnezzar destroy Jerusalem and take everybody out, kill the parents and take the kids, 20 ages of 12 and 16, uh, on a caravan back to Babylon. And those that were of the princely group, that was the ones that had a little class to them, they'd already been educated to a point. He was going to put them on a weight program for three years. They'd been in a famine. They'd been beat up and whipped. They'd kill all the older ones because there's no way you can manipulate an adult like you can a teenager. The younger a teenager is, the less memories he has of his past. He's more pliable. You can tell him things to do. He'll do it and he'll learn to get along. Adults, are very older they get, are very hard to handle. I don't know if you knew that or not. We've become very set in our way like an old dog, okay? You ever hear that term? You can't teach old dogs new tricks, but you can teach new dogs old tricks, all right? One of the tricks Nebuchadnezzar is going to use is change their names, change their identity, change their dress, change their, hair, uh, their haircuts, change their diets. And when the order came down, the, the Bible says in chapter 1, verse 4, it says, children in whom was a no blemish, but well-favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning in knowledge and understanding science, they'd been taught already. They didn't take the ones that couldn't do their math. They didn't take the ones that couldn't do their sciences. They didn't take the ones that were lazy. They took the ones that had a gear in them. And such had the ability in them to stand in the king's palace in whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. They had to learn the language and they learned it really quick. And so come the time to fatten them up. There's thousands of them there, prisoners. And each of the king's uh, chamberlains or lieutenants uh, that worked under him was given these four Jews plus others. And this, uh, this uh, uh, leader, uh, this uh, uh, eunuch, whatever you want to call him, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was in his charge. He was in charge of them. And when they brought the food and the wine to eat, Daniel wouldn't touch it. His three mates was watching him. 
And he told that leader in verse eight, but Daniel purposed in his heart in verse eight that he would not defile himself with any portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. He didn't say, I'm not gonna do it. I don't wanna do it. If it costs me my life, so be it. But I wanna let you know, can we do something else here? Now God had brought Daniel to favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. And the prince of the eunuchs gave him a hearing. And the prince of the eunuchs said to Daniel in verse 10, I fear my lord the king who hath appointed your meat and your drink, for why should he see your faces worse lightning than the children which are of your sort? Then shall you make me in danger and my head to the king. David, you gotta put some weight on or the king's gonna kill me. And David said, now let's just do this test for 10 days. You weigh everybody, you feed all them, you let us have salad and water. And you weigh us, you look at us, and if you've got a, he didn't have an iPhone, but take a picture with your Kodak camera, these kids don't know what that is, and uh, we'll look at the before picture and the after picture, where they had an artist there paint them before, <laughs> and then he painted them afterward, all right? And the Bible says in verse 20, that in all things of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them 10 times better. That's unbelievable. These teenagers were better than any of the wise men in the country. So I'm gonna give you four or five thoughts today. Now I'm gonna start over here. Now I want you to give you the first one, you can write this down. Daniel made a decision. He made a decision, okay? When he made that decision in chapter one, verse eight, he had no idea which way that thing was gonna go, all right? Uh, he didn't know if he was gonna get fat or fair, but somebody had already, already trained him about the ways of God. He knew enough about God. He knew enough about the sciences. So when he was young, he was, he was educated to make decisions. Now I watched you today, some of you, as you voted this one or that one, you'd watch what other people did and you'd go with them. You are a follower, all right? And you would not make your decision unless you watched other people make the decision because you didn't want to be held responsible. Well, I did it because Susie did. I went that way because Bob did, all right? Very few people in our generation and yours will stand up alone, all right? But he made a decision, now listen carefully, that he was gonna honor God with this. The Old Testament law and tradition in those days, the Jewish kids were not supposed to drink or eat any pork, all right? And I'm sure that old Nebuchadnezzar had that going on, all right? And uh, they weren't supposed to touch any liquor, and he wasn't. But all the other prisoners did because there's no home to go back to. Is the parents gonna yell at them? No. Is the preacher gonna get after them? No, they're all dead. So I'll do what the uh, Babylonians do in Babylon, amen? Not Daniel. He made a decision and he made it according to God's word that was already put in his heart. Listen carefully. We'll get to this. Fast forward. Flip back to chapter six of the book of Daniel real quick. I want you to catch this. Daniel chapter six, he's getting ready to go to the lion's den, all right? When Daniel heard or knew that the, 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 this uh, law was signed that you had to bow down three times uh, bowed down to the God of, uh, of, of Babylon, when he knew that, did he stop worshiping God? No, look what verse 10 says. 
Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and in his window, being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. See, Daniel purposed in his heart in chapter one. Here he is 75 years later, still has that purpose, okay? So watch this. When you make a decision and you make the right decision, you have no idea where it's gonna lead. But if you do it according to God's word, according to God's will, in God's way, you'll get through those lion dens when they show up, amen? Number two, I want you to catch this. Daniel not only made a decision, Daniel's decision, secondly, took him in a direction. Took him in a direction. It was not popular. To my knowledge, it was him and the other three. Look at Daniel chapter one with me, please. Look at verse 15. And Daniel said at the end of 10 days, their countenances appeared fair and fatter and flesh than all the children which did eat of the portion of the king's meat. So Daniel and his three mates gained more weight than all the other ones put together. I mean, they had, to, they had them walk across there. They had them put them on a scale. The, now look at the next word, thus. Hashtag, watch it. This is what took place. Melzar, that eunuch, took away the portion of their meat because he saw they weren't going to touch it and uh, they weren't going to eat it. And the wine that they would, should drink, and he gave them pulse. That's like salad and water. Now, that's what they did. Now, at the end of their schooling, not after only the 10 days, but at the end of their schooling, can you see them already going in a direction? When the weight contest started, <coughs> they were skinny as anybody else. When the program was started, there was a smart as or as dumb as anybody else. They're all on the same keel, same level. <coughs> but when they were done, <coughs> the decision they made there took them in this direction that was not popular. Didn't know how it was gonna answer. So they did this by faith. Daniel initiated it, but Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel, all four, had a trust, had a faith about them that God was gonna bless, okay? So uh, the, uh, let's say you girls, you're all just eating salad all week. And all the boys behind you is eating steak all week long, and chicken, and pork. And you're just eating salad and, 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 and drinking water and, they're drinking Pepsi and Coke and Diet Coke and milkshakes and blueberry Pop-Tarts and all that stuff. The boys should be much heavier, should be looking stronger. But at the end of those days, Daniel made a decision that took him in a direction. He didn't know he was getting fatter. He didn't know he was getting smarter yet. But he made a decision by faith that took him in a direction. Now, young people, listen. You need to live by God's word. You can hide that word in your heart that I might not sin against thee. If you hide it in your heart and you listen to the Holy Spirit, you hide it in your thought process, when that devil does show up, hey, touch the fruit. When that devil does show up, Samson, get the haircut. When that devil does sh uh, show up, David, take a second look. When that devil does show up, hey, uh, prodigal son. Hey, when that devil does show up, Ananias is a fire, go ahead and lie. When that devil shows up, John or Mark, stop the ministry. When he does shows up, when the test does come, <clears throat> the decision you make will always take you in the right direction for God. I didn't say the best direction for you, but the right direction for God. So far, so good? So you make a decision, it takes you in a direction. Here's the third thing. I've got five of these, but I'm only gonna give you three this morning. It leads to a destination. Hmm. Huh, huh, huh. 
it leads to a destination. You know, in chapter one, verse eight, Daniel purposed in his heart. As we go to the end of that destination thing, it says in chapter one, verse 20, and in all matters of wisdom and understanding, they were, smart, they were 10 times better. 10 times better because they trusted God and God's process. Then you look a little bit closer, look over in chapter three, Daniel's mates were gonna be thrown into the fiery furnace if they did not bow down to the statue there on the plain, uh, that gigantic golden statue. And uh, look at verse 15. And as Nebuchadnezzar gets mad and he says, you guys won't bow when you hear the music. And he said, you get, uh, and if you don't, you're, I'm gonna throw you in that prison. And when the music played on that, on that, uh, in that field, the whole nation bowed down to his golden statue those three didn't. Look what they said. Now, if you be ready that at the time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, satbuck, palsbury, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the image which I have made. Well, now watch this. But if ye worship not me, if you don't bow down to me, you shall be cast in the same hour into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Now that furnace, they would make glass and pottery there. It was a giant furnace where they would heat it up. And the Bible says in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in verse 16, answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we're not careful to answer thee on this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thy hand, O king. What they're saying is, but if it's not, look at the next verse. Be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. King, we're not gonna ever worship you. If you throw us in the fiery furnace, we're toast. <laughs> we're done. All right, it's over. We know we're gonna be with the God of heaven. But if we come out the other side, we want you to know the God of heaven done that. We ever going to bow down to you. Now, let you listen to this thought. They made a decision several years before that took him in a towards a destination and everything's gone fine. Uh, it takes him in a direction and they get to this destination. They didn't plan this in chapter one. They didn't plan this in chapter two. But God let it come upon them and those three young men, I do, we don't know where Daniel was at this time. He might have been out of town or doing other stuff but he wasn't in this. I think he was out of town, maybe as an ambassador in another country or something. It didn't say, but I'm sure he'd been in there with them. They said, now king, you live forever. You notice this, we like you, but we're never gonna worship your gods. And if you throw us in a fiery furnace, we want everybody to know that we went in there because of the God that's in our heart. He'll take us to heaven, we may die in there physically, all right? If we don't die in there physically, you're all still gonna know that God's with us, right? Now, they made a decision, took them in a direction. They never planned this destination. Now, you college kids, and listen real hard about this. Things are gonna come up in your life that you cannot adjudicate, you cannot manipulate. The devil's gonna tempt you and test you. You're gonna be dealt a bad card of, uh, you know, of uh, old maid, all right? It's not gonna be good, all right? It's gonna be really bad. And you'll want to quit. You'll want to jump in with the devil's crowd. But I want to tell you, you make a decision there and that takes you in a direction. Just remain faithful. And I'm telling you, fiery furnaces and lion pits are going to show up. Don't, don't quit. 
stiffen that back up a little bit. So no matter what happens, I'm going to go with God on this. And these young men, when they threw them in the fiery furnace, the guards that threw them in there were killed by the heat from that furnace. Pretty hot, huh? And when they got in the furnace and that old wicked king looked inside the furnace through a, through a hole in the wall, he saw how many people in there? And that fourth one was as a who? The image of the Son of God. I am telling you, the decisions you make now will take you in directions. When you get to that destination God has for you, you have to stand strong and true because the testing will come. You know, Daniel, and his thought here and the last thought today is this, this uh, destination. He never planned the lion's den. And when he got to the lion's den, would you look at chapter six, verse 10? When he got in the lion's den and even that angel that come to shut their mouths had been fighting with the devil and the bell didn't ring yet. <laughs> he was a little bit late getting there. He should have showed up the day before, <laughs> but Daniel didn't flinch. I want you to catch this. The Bible says that now when Daniel knew in verse 10 that the writing was signed, he went down and prayed. And the men in verse 11 that assembled, the, the 120 for some princes found Daniel praying and making supplication before God, they turned him in. They took him to the king and the king had a rule and the king had a law. And so the king had to put him into the lion's den. And the Bible says in verse 22 of that chapter, my God has sent his angel and hath shut the mouths, lion's mouths, he's telling the king the next morning. They've not hurt me for as much as before him and then as he was found in me. And also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. Then was the king exceedingly glad for him, Daniel, and he commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no man of hurt was found upon him because he believed, what's this? His God. Believed in his God. And then the king commanded all those bad guys to be brought and thrown in that dungeon. It says in verse 24, and uh, they threw them and they cast them into the den of lions. That, that's those 120 princes and their wives. Them, their children and their wives. And the lions had mastery of them and break all their bones in pieces or ever they came to the bottom of the den. Do you realize before those 240 and probably almost 500 people hit the ground of that den that every line had broke every bone in every person's body. I didn't say that, that's in scripture. A lot of cats down there, huh? When that angel of the Lord went down, and when that angel went down with David in that, Daniel in that basket, he'd been running late fighting the devil in that invisible war that goes on around us. And he, and he, and he, and he got in that uh, den and he quieted all those cats down. Why did he do that? Why did he do that? Does anybody know? Because Daniel purposed in his heart that he was going to do things God's way. And God always honors that. Amen? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You know, you can close your Bibles there. So there's three thoughts I gave you today. You make a decision, takes you in a direction, all right, and it's always going to lead to a destination. I was, uh, got saved my junior year in high school. I got baptized and I was growing and maturing. I got ripe and I was going heading off to Bible college. That summer, uh, a week after graduation, a, a girl came to our church and she visited. Her name was uh, Debbie Davis. I don't know if she's still alive today. And she kind of liked me a little bit and her and I went out to eat at uh, Elby's Big Boy Hamburger Shop 
And then we went bowling and she kept coming to my church, sitting by me at church. She's wanting to court me, amen. And she wasn't ugly, believe it or not. She was weighed less than 500 pounds, amen. I mean, she, she wasn't that big. And actually, she was very pretty, all right. And uh, after church one day, she came to eat at our house and we was walking uh, uh, along a creek there. And she looked at me and she says, I think I love you. I said, say what? You know, and she says, yeah, I think I love you. Well, that's good. And, and then we kept on walking. I didn't say much. <laughs> she says, what do you think? Oh, I don't know. You want to go fishing? And uh, no, she said, I'm serious. What do you want to do with your future? If you stay here and we, we start courting, daddy will give us the farm. And we, we can have children. And you can work in the coal mine. And we will live happily ever after, just like on the Walt Disney shows. And uh, I give her the look like, well, I've not thought, thought that far, but I'm gonna do what God wants me to do. Well, maybe God wants you to do this. And don't forget, I really love you. Now, I wanna tell you something. When you're seven, 18 years old, and a girl's the same age, and she's chasing you. Oh, okay. Now, I wasn't raised from a child as a Christian, amen. And so she went home and another week went by and she come back over to church and she ate with us on a Sunday afternoon and, and she said, you know, I prayed about it all this week. I think it's God's will that you and I get married. Well, back up the wagon, lady, you know. I said, well, I, I don't know. I don't know. And... Uh, she says, I love you. I said, well, I'm going off to Bible college and I'm gonna, I'll give you an answer when I get back, <laughs> you know? And I went off to college and there, you know, hey, there was, there was 3,500 girls in that college, you know, and 3,499 of them was important, all right? And, uh, but I, I didn't, I didn't pay much attention to them. I'm going to school, try to keep my head above water and, and I, that, that Debbie sent her, sent me an eight by 10 glossy picture of her smiling and, uh, and she asked me to tape it. I was on a bunk bed and she said, tape it right above your head so you see me first thing when you get up in the morning and you see me last thing when you go to bed at night. Man, she's laying it on thick, amen. And the longer I was in college, God began to work on my heart. And I began to have in prayer time and I began to spend some, every morning at five to 5.45, I would crawl up in a closet Oh, about big as that pew there, or big as that pulpit area in a room, and, and it was our prayer room, and I was small enough to slide in, and I'd pray. And I'd get letters every week from that girl, and, and I just realized, you know what? God didn't want me to have much to do with her. So the end of the first semester came, and I went home, and when I got home, you know, I was gonna tell her, it is off, you know, and I got better things to do, and I wanna train for Jesus, amen. Little did I know she had planned a party. It was the first Friday. I got home on Monday. Her parents had a basement uh, about the size of this part of the auditorium, about 40 feet wide, about 80 feet long, fireplace at the end. It was like a man's cave, and she'd turn it into a party room for kids that had graduated from are in college. And it was a Christmas party for all college kids. Uh, and from... Circleville Bible College, Bob Jones University, and there's about eight or nine Christian colleges there, you know, and, 
and she had uh, violins playing, you know, and so she invited me, my twin, and our friend Cam and Jim, and so we went to it and just thought it was just a party for all of us to eat hamburgers, french fries, swap Christmas gifts, and go home. Little did we know, when we stepped in the room, guess who the honored guest was? Me. Her parents had went to Disney World. She'd planned this party. She was going to announce to the whole community that her and I were going to get engaged to get married. I had not even called her for 60 days. She's making this stuff up. And uh, when I walked in there and saw that, and uh, uh, Dan and Debbie, you know, and God bless you, you know. I'm going, what the world's going on here? And Cam looked at me. You didn't tell. I didn't know. <laughs> but see, I made a decision that took me in a direction going to lead to destination. And this is the first spear the devil chucked at me after I start, decided to do his will, God's will for my life. And when she said, I was starting to say about getting hitched and stuff and and, and this is going to be the announcement party. I said, nice. And, and I, I said, come with me. And she came and she stepped outside. And uh, I've never done this before. Uh, and I locked, I locked us outside. I told Cam, lock the door. That's the guys with me. Don't let us back in. And on that front porch in Caldwell, Ohio, I told that young lady, or Marriott, Ohio, I said, listen, what are you doing? I, and, I, and she said, well, I want us to get married. I said, I liked you. I don't love you. I want to let you know there is. I'm no part of this. I want you to understand this is not going to work. <coughs> she said, how dare you? And she started getting mad and kicking snow and throw, throwing her gloves at me. It was cold out there. And, and uh, she tried to get back in the house and was pounding on the door and screaming and I told Cam to unlock the door and he let her back in and she was just a fuming and a kicking and she got in there and started making announcements to all the party that the party's over. By that time, I got in a car by myself and I drove about two miles and parked in a parking lot. And I had to answer a question that was in my heart. God, do I do what you want me to do or do I do what I want to do? because I think that girl really likes me and her family's got money and she's going to get the farm. Maybe it's God's will for me. Now, now, wait a minute. When I made a decision to do God's way six or eight months before, there was no going back. I said, thank you, Lord, for getting me out of there. Cam, my friend, come, jumped in the car. We drove home 22 miles and we rejoiced all the way to the house we drove in the driveway. Uh, we're going into the house and my mom was on the back in, in the kitchen in a rocking chair. She knew something was up and she'd been praying all night that I would do God's will for my life. Isn't that amazing? Now that girl, <laughs> oh boy, did she ruin that neighborhood for a while. But I was okay with me. 25 years go by and uh, I am speaking at a church and she shows up at the church. She's older, grayer, much, much, much balder. And uh, she had uh, some teenage kids with her that were her children. She introduced me to her husband. And uh, after I was done preaching, she said, she looked at me and she said this, with her husband and kids there, aren't you glad 
you made a decision to do God's will for your life. Because let's see where you're at today. And said, see where I'm at today. She said, I want to apologize for being so foolish and so stupid and so backslidden. So kids, let me teach you a lesson today. Do you know why Daniel was 10 times better? He was taught to listen, obey, and respond in a godly way. And he always did what the Lord wanted him to do. That's what L-O-R-D means in my life. Listen, obey, respond, and do. He made that decision. He purposed in his heart what his family and parents and preachers and teachers put in his heart before the fall of Jerusalem. And when he made that decision, it took him in a direction. He had no idea what the answer was going to be. But he not only gained the weight, he became the leader of that nation. Time and time and time again served three kings. And at the end of his life, when you think he could prop his feet up in a hammock, come the decree. And he still kept God first. The decree was don't pray to any other God save the God of Nebuchadnezzar or the God of Babylon. He said, no way, Jose. And every, he knew the writing was signed. Three times a day, morning, noon, and evening, he would do his prayers, look toward Jerusalem, and worship God. Amen? And at the end of the day, he was the last man standing right where God wanted him to be. Isn't that a great story? So why was he 10 times better? Because he made a decision that took him in the direction. It led to a destination that was godly because he would listen to the Lord, obey the Lord, respond and do the right thing and God would give the victory. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Heads